Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. So you got your Bible today. We're starting this new series. We're talking, uh, the series is called Forever. And uh, <laughs> like I said earlier, no, this is not how long the message is going to go today, forever. I know you feel like it, but uh, uh, it's, uh, it, I tell you what this is. This is really probably one of the most debated issues in the history of the church. <laughs> and it's really uh, whether or not a person, once they're saved, okay, once they become a Christian, uh, can lose their salvation. This probably is one of the biggest debated uh, subjects. You know, since, uh, since 2004, I've been a, a biblical addiction recovery counselor. That's, that's about 17 years. Um, I probably have had over 2,500 people that I've worked with uh, individually <clears throat> in those, those years. And one of the things that people oftentimes say to me, pastors say to me, church leaders say to me, not at this church, but other churches, is, why are you involved with addiction recovery? And what I hear an awful lot of times is this. If a person really gets saved, they won't struggle with addictions because that's a habitual sin, and saved people don't sin. So why would you need an addiction recovery program? Like, why would you waste your time doing that? Well, that's a question that I hear a lot. Uh, that's a question that a lot of pastors would ask me. So we need to really talk about this. We need to understand this. So what about eternal security? How long is eternity? What do I need to know about eternity? And, and the reason for this series also is this, is that we just finished that series on the end times, signs of the times. And you remember, we, we kind of walked through the end times, tribulation, and then uh, uh, the second coming of Christ, and the thousand-year reign of Jesus, and then, and then we talked about eternity future. Well, this is kind of almost a continuation of that. Well, how long is forever? What is eternity? Are we there forever? Uh, how do we get there forever? And once you're saved, do you stay there forever? So here's what I've got here, and, and, and today I want today to kind of be a foundation, okay? So for some of you today, I'm just being honest, some of you today, you may look at today and say, well, this is, this is so basic, it's, it's 101. Okay, good. So for some of you, though, probably even for a lot of you, this is kind of like, huh, I never thought about this. This is some new stuff. I've heard you talk about it, but I didn't really think about it. And so, so we'll cover a bunch of different things in this series. But today, I just want today to just be so foundational. We have to understand these principles. Because if we don't understand today, I think the next couple of weeks together when we talk about this may be a little bit harder. So we got to get today. So here's what I found. And I'm going to try to make this as simple as possible, okay? You know me. I don't, I don't like things complicated. A um, couple things I don't like. I don't like things complicated. Number two, I don't like long meetings. Those of you that know we have staff meetings, it's like I'm the guy that's like, let's get it done, right? Um, and I don't like long church services either. You probably say, well, I don't believe that, Pastor, based on the last few <laughs> weeks. Well, it could be longer. Um, so there's three types of people that, that I'm going to kind of divide the world into. Three types of religious people, I could kind of say. I want to take a look at this. We'll put this on the screen here, see if we can't look at this. So, so the person number one, three types of religious people that we're going to really talk about. Three types of religious views is what I should say. There are those people, there are those people who believe that a person must work to obtain 
salvation, okay? So in classification number one, or the type of group of people we're going to talk about, are those people that think you have to work to obtain eternity. Uh, you have to attend church. You've got to get baptized. You have to stop being an addict. You've got to give more money. You need to spend time praying. And I'm going to be really broad with this, but a lot of this would be, let's say, uh, uh, our good friends that are Catholics would believe that, sure. Um, uh, a lot of Lutherans would believe that. Mormons would believe that, sure. A lot of New Age uh, and, and wonderful people, sincere people. But basically, if, if we're kind of being broad here, we kind of clump that into that. People that believe you have to do some kind of, kind of performance in order for God to let you into forever, let you into eternity. And then there's the second group of people, the second group we're going to talk about. <clears throat> that's those people who believe a person is saved through faith. Well, that's good. But then you are responsible for maintaining salvation by living a faithful Christian life. So these people don't believe you're saved by works, you're saved by faith, but then you're responsible for maintaining that salvation by your works. So you kind of see you have the, the one group over here that says it's all by works. And then you have the group here in the middle that says, nope, you're saved by grace through faith, but you're going to need to work to keep it, to prove the authentic, uh, authenticity of your faith. Okay? And, and so this would, be, this would be a lot of groups too. Uh, I think we could kind of be broad on that and, and kind of say, well, there are a lot of Lutherans that believe that too. There's an awful lot of Baptist churches that believe that too. And, and they kind of believe that, that a failure to live a faithful Christian life would result in the forfeiture uh, of their salvation and a loss of eternal life, okay? Um, there's an awful lot of, of churches kind of right in the middle there that would agree with us uh, in, the, in the instance that you're saved by faith but say you have to perform. There's some responsibility on your part on the backside of that, okay? And then the third group we're going to talk about today, uh, again, trying to keep it real on the basic level, there is this. Number three is this. There's though, uh, those people who believe a person is saved through faith and can never lose their salvation. So this is an interesting group here too because they say, no, no, you're just saved by faith, but you can never, you can never lose it. All right, and that means no matter how bad your works are, you can't lose what you got by faith, okay? So remember the three categories. We have, we have the group over here that says, that says, I get forever, I get eternity in heaven forever based solely upon my works, what I do, how I live, all right? And then you have the second group here that's kind of in the middle that says, no, 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 no. You are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, but you have to authenticate that or prove that or persevere or hang on by your works to show God that you are truly serious, okay? Because someone that's truly serious would have those works, all right? And then you have the third group over here. The third group says, no, no, no. You're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, period. Period. Done. That's it. No matter what you do, no matter how bad you are, you can never lose it because it's totally by grace and by faith alone, okay? So the question that really kind of comes into what we're going to talk about today is really ultimately is can we lose our salvation or not? Is the permanence of our salvation something that's just wishful thinking or is it truly in the Bible? Can we find it? And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at the Bible and talk about this. Now, here's the deal today. Here's the rule, okay? Here's what we're going to do. The only book that we're going to use, the only textbook that we're going to use today for our study 
is this, is the Bible. We are not going to use any other book, and we're not going to quote any other author. Does that sound fair enough? Why? Because how many books did God write? He wrote one book, and, and this is the only book he wrote. So to be fair, to be fair to God, to be fair to our study today, we're going to look only at the Bible and see only what the Bible has to say. Now, I know, I know at the end of the discussion, someone's going to say, oh, but pastor, what about so-and-so? What about the book XYZ123? What about that guy on the radio? What about that, that guy on television? What about they said? I really don't care. I just, I'm being honest with you, I really just don't care what they said. Because we're going to only look at what the Bible has to say and what God has to say, not about what some person has to say. Because people can be wrong. Meaning this, <clears throat> I can have my opinion and you can have your opinion. Right? My opinion stinks and your opinion stinks. The only thing true in this room is what? Is God's Word. Right? So the only thing we can fall back on is, is truth and authoritative is God's Word. Okay? Not my opinion, not your opinion, but only truly what God says. So let's talk about it today, and let's get going on this today, and we're going to dig in, and we've got to go really quick today. So uh, take your Bible, and there's a lot of verses, like I said, a lot of verses, but we'll put them on the screen. We'll make it easy for you. We'll put them in the verse sheet there. And uh, here's the basic. Let's just start the very basics. The basics is this, is that everyone here in this room, including myself, we are all born with sin. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says this. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the problem is that we have sin, and that verse literally kind of means like an archer with a bow and arrow, you know, misses the mark. Oops, they, they didn't hit the dead center, they didn't hit the bullseye. Because of your sin, you've missed God's mark of perfection, you have a problem, the debt needs to be paid, and that's what we're going to talk about. The Old Testament also referred to it in the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, but we are all as an unclean thing. So that's everybody. That's me too. That's every pastor. That's the pope. That's every priest. That's, that's, that's any good person. We are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Kind of interesting on this verse. Look how many times it says the word all. We're all unclean. We are all, our good things are like a filthy rag. So interesting thought on this. There's just an interesting thought. God says that even the good things you do are like filthy rags. There's just nothing good about it. But I did a really good thing. And God's up there going, eh, it stinks. It's filthy rag. It's, I'm not impressed with your goodness. And, and, and Isaiah was written thousands of years ago, okay? So this isn't like something that was just written 100 years ago. Uh, I like to do, uh, I, I'm kind of a gearhead by, I don't know, by nature. Just, and I like to do, I like to work in the garage. Any, anyone here like to putter in the garage? That's what we call it. We call it puttering. Do you know what puttering is? Puttering is you go in the garage and you just, you find a project. You know, there's, there's a two-by-four laying in the ground. You're like, huh, what can I make with that two-by-four? You know, <laughs> or, or, you know, there's something with the lawnmower and you didn't think it was broken, but you just want to putter. You want to, oh, I'm going to work on the lawnmower today. Well, uh, I like to change oil and I like to do, you know, brake jobs and that kind of stuff. And, and this week I was doing the brakes in the car and, and uh, uh, had some rags that got real oily and real dirty. But like any gearhead, any guy that likes to work in the garage, you think what? I can still use that rag, right? And you want to bring that rag, and what do you want to do with that rag, guys? You want to bring those filthy rags? You want to bring them inside and wash them in the laundry. And you say, well, I'll just do this. Maybe my wife won't notice. But how, what? every time you walk in the house with a stinking, you know, whatever, box of smelly, dirty, rotten rags, your wife comes up and says, don't you dare put that in the laundry machine, right? 
Every woman, you agree with that? Don't put those. Why? What's the big deal? I'm going to put them in there and they'll be clean, right? That's in theory. But no, because your wife says no, those are filthy rags. Those, just throw them away. There is nothing good. And I'll be, you know, because I'm cheap. I'll, well, wait, this rag's not that bad. Like this bottom corner, that's still good. And we just put a little soap. This will, It's like, no, throw it away. Well, that's kind of what God's saying about this thing. He's like, look at even the good things that you do, I'm just not impressed with it. They're filthy rags. On your best day, church, you're still a filthy, rotten, dirty rag. Okay? Just on your best day. When I went to church, I gave money. It just doesn't matter. You're right. Your good things just are still filthy rags in God's eyes. Okay. So then the next question is, we have a debt. God says that we're filthy rags at best. How is the debt paid? Okay. Now, we're just establishing a foundation here. Well, we know this. We know that the debt uh, is paid, and this is what we're going to talk about it. So let's look at the first person. The first person in our discussion, the first group, I should say, in our discussion is the person who says you must work to pay that debt, or you must work to obtain salvation. So remember we had our three groups of people? The first group says, well, you have a debt. The debt is paid by your work, okay? That's how you pay it. A lot of verses here, Romans chapter 4, verse 5 this guy named Paul, who lived about 2,000 years ago, wrote it to a bunch of people living in the city of Rome. And he says this, But to him that works not, but does what? Believes on him, is justified the ungodly. His work is counted for righteousness. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't say his work. It says his faith. So this guy Paul says, no, it's not work. It's your faith. That guy Paul also ends up in jail one day. And the story is written about in Acts chapter 16. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, verse 30, the jailer brings them out, and the jailer says to them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31, Paul and Silas tell the jailer, and they said, work, and thou shalt be saved. He doesn't say that. The greatest Christian that ever lived, the Bible really paints this picture of Paul being the greatest missionary, the greatest Christian probably that ever lived. And he doesn't say it's by works. He says, no, the qualification for your debt to be paid is belief. Paul also said it when he wrote a book to a church in Ephesians, a verse that we use all the time. He says this in verse 8. He says, for by grace are you saved. He doesn't say by works. By grace are you saved through your faith. It's not something you do. It's a gift of God. Look at the next verse. He clearly says it. It's not a work. So you have a debt that needs to be paid, but it's not paid by your works. Matter of fact, Jesus himself said it, John chapter 3, verse 16, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever works, is that what it says? No, it doesn't say works, it says believes. So it's not a work that you or I could do. Peter said it in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Peter was saying this, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved. So there's salvation in nothing else except by Jesus Christ. What he did, not what you did, do. Paul wrote to a pastor named Titus in the New Testament. Chapter 3, verse 5, he makes it really clear again. Not by your good works, which you have done, but according to God's mercy, he saved us. So we have that first group of people that says, no, you go to heaven only by your works. Well, we have seen it over and over and over again, and if we had time, I'd show you another dozen verses. 
uh, at least a dozen or so, that say it's not a work. Your works don't do it. It's by grace that you're saved. Think about this for a moment, church. Think. If there was some works that we needed to do, why isn't there a list of those works in this book? The only book God ever wrote, the only book that's going to last for all of eternity, for all mankind, this book will still be with us a billion years from now. The only book that will still be with us. Why didn't God give us a list? Oh, pastor, he did give us a list. Really? Could you show? Well, it's right there in the Old Testament. It's the 11 commandments. <laughs> okay, the 11 commandments. I've had people say that to me. It's like, well, actually, there's only 10, sorry. Uh, but uh, my question to them is this, keeping the 10 commandments. Have you ever not gone, now be honest, church, be honest. I want everyone to be honest. Don't act, don't act self-righteous here. Don't act holy. Be honest. I want you to raise your hand after this question if you've done this. Be honest. Be honest. Have you ever not gone to church on a Sunday morning just because you just didn't feel like it? Raise your hand. Now, don't act spiritual. Come, put your hand. Amy, put your hand up. All right. The, the preacher's got both of his hands. I've, I've not gone to church because I just don't feel like it. It's like I want to go fishing, I want to go, you know, bike ride, I want to do something fun. Well, wait a second. It, the fact that you didn't go to church on Sunday morning, you, you broke about half the commandments just right there, okay? You got an idol before you, you know, you broke the Sabbath, you, you know. You know, there's a lot of things that you, 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 just, you just broke right there. So if you missed one Sunday morning because you just didn't feel like it, God says, well, that one work that you didn't do, that's enough to send you to hell. But I'm a good person the rest of the time. That's nice. But, but you have something that you've done that's bad, okay? So you're not perfect, so there's just no way in the world. Paul said it over there in Romans chapter 11, verse 6. He said, listen, guys, it's either by works or it's God's grace. He said, if by grace it's not a work, otherwise grace isn't grace. But if it is a work, then it's not grace because work wouldn't be a work. So you're either saved fully by your works, and it's 100% works, or you're saved fully by grace. You either get eternity forever, eternity forever, fully by your works, or you get to it fully by grace. But you, you don't do both because you, you can't. Because if it's all works, then if you added some grace to it, it wouldn't be a work, right? If it's all grace and you added some works to it, it wouldn't be grace. So he said it's either or, and no one's going to be in heaven bragging about what they did to get there. The Bible makes it clear. We'll only be there because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. When he died on the cross, Christianity is about what Jesus did. It's not about what I do. Okay, so pause. The first group of people say that eternity is gained fully by your works. In the last five minutes, we have clearly disproved from the Bible, not from any author, that works do not get you an eternity in heaven. It's impossible, and everyone, even in the Old Testament and the New Testament, all the main authors, including Jesus himself, said, nope, it's not a work that gets you eternity. It's not. You can't do it. Because that's not the cost of admission into eternity, okay? Your works aren't the, aren't the ticket that's needed. Now, let's take a look at the second group of people. Let's move really fast. Put your seatbelt on. Here we go. The second group of people is, uh, says this, a person is saved through faith. Yeah, it's not my works, it's faith. But then they're responsible for maintaining salvation by living a faithful Christian life. So it's not a work, 
it's by grace that we're saved. It's what Jesus did on the cross. But I need to subscribe to the line of thinking that if I have a failure to live this Christian life, a faithful Christian life, I will forfeit my salvation. I will forfeit eternity because I haven't maintained a faithful Christian life. I haven't been a good person. Now, for reference, everyone write this down for reference. And I'm being real simplistic. This theology, okay, this belief, this is called lordship salvation, okay? If you want to just write that down, lordship salvation. And that's just a term that people have given it. Uh, uh, it's not in the Bible, the word lordship salvation. But basically it's this. It's lordship salvation. Meaning if Jesus isn't lord of everything in your life, you're not saved, okay? If you haven't done good works to, to prove to God that you're saved, then, then if you haven't hung on, if you haven't persevered, then, then you are not really saved or you forfeit it, okay? So, uh, uh, we, there'll be a lot of people that'll do this. I, I've heard preachers do this. Look at Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Let's, can we put that, in, let's put that here on the screen? Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It's behind the TV set. Uh, I've heard preachers do this. They'll say this part of the verse. For by grace are you saved through faith. And they'll stop there. Uh, uh, now listen, I love these people. I'm not against these people, okay? But I'm going to tell you two names that are really popular that'll do exactly what I'm telling you. Why? I just want you to learn. That's the only reason, okay? I'm not out there with a, you know, holding a protest sign. I'm just telling you there's two popular authors today that only give the first half of that verse pretty much every time I've heard them and I've listened to them a lot. Uh, one guy's name is John Piper, you know him, and then John MacArthur. They're nice people, okay? They're sincere people. But John MacArthur will always use the beginning of this verse. For by grace you saved through faith, and he'll preach that. I, now maybe he has, I'm not saying he hasn't. I don't think I've ever heard him say the second half of that verse. I just don't think I've heard him say it. Because what? You're saved by grace. But then they'll go down the road of saying, you have to perform in order to maintain it. Okay? And I'm just telling you that. I'm just telling you that so you understand. So we have some, some kind of meat on the bone and you understand, well, you know, this is what this person's saying and that's where I've heard it. So anytime someone says, you know, but or you need to hang on to keep it, uh, they'll, they'll use that. And it's very confusing. Some people use a verse in James in the very New Testament, and they'll say, say this, James chapter 2, verse 20, but wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? See? You can't have faith without works. Well, hold on a second. Let's back up to the very first chapter, James chapter 1. Let's look at verse 2. Who's James talking to? Who's the letter written to? He's writing it to Christians. What the, it's so simple. They'll take a verse out of context, but what that verse is saying is, listen, Christians, you're saved by faith, okay, you're a Christian, you better let the world see it, okay? You better let the world know that you're a Christian, okay? If you're a Christian and you were saved by faith, you, you ought to be doing some good things because the world ought to see that you're a good person. They ought to see that you're a Christian. He's not saying that to an unsaved person about how to become a Christian. As a matter of fact, if we look at it back at Ephesians chapter 2, 8, 9, I'll tell you what, go to the next verse, verse 10, Ephesians chapter 2, 10, look at this verse. We just read Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Now here's the next verse. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we... Church, what's this word right here? What's that word? It doesn't say we have to. It doesn't say we must. It doesn't say, you know, it's that or nothing. It says we should walk in them. God says, listen, <laughs> I saved you by grace. <laughs> I've given you some good works to do. You really ought to do them. Be why? Because you're a Christian. The world ought to see that there's a difference you know, you know, an interesting study, I was doing this this last week, 
Uh, actually, I was studying the book of Ephesians. Uh, people have said to me this. They said, Pastor, you know, and I hear this. The Bible isn't, you know, it, you know, the New Testament for the Christians. There's Christian liberty. It's not full of a bunch of do's and don'ts. Whoa, 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 wait a second. You know, Jesus didn't give us all these things that we should or shouldn't do. It's just Christian liberty. You do whatever God wants you to do. Wait, 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 wait a second. Did you know in the book of Ephesians alone, 88 times that I counted, 88 times that I counted, he tells us what to do or what not to do. Why? Because you're a baby Christian, it's time to grow up, you start acting like a, like a Christian. Church, understand this. Christians ought to act differently than unsaved people, okay? Christians ought to look differently than unsaved people. Ready? Christians ought to be watching different shows than the unsaved people. Christians ought to be listening to the different music than unsaved people, okay? Uh, half of you just turned me off. <laughs> but we ought to. We, we ought to be doing something different. We should be doing something different than the world. Not to get saved, but because we're saved. A lot of people say, no, wait a second. Wait a second. If you don't do those things, you've lost it and you've never had your salvation. John chapter 19, verse 30. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, this is when Jesus was dying on the cross, he said these three very important words. These are directly the words of Jesus. He said, it is begun. Is that what he said? No. He said, I have started it. Is that what he said? No. I paid for half. Is that what he said? No. Church, would you please read the famous words uh, that Jesus said on the cross uh, when, he, when Jesus had received the vinegar, he said, would you say it with me? It is finished. When Jesus died on the cross, the debt was paid. It's finished. What's the proof of that? Jesus doesn't have to die on the cross again. Right? It was a one-time deal. Uh, and because it's finished, you don't have to keep paying for it. It's like this. When Jesus died on the cross, the debt is paid. It's finished. I, I paid it. It's done. Church, if the debt is paid, what do you have to pay for? <laughs> the debt's paid. You know, I mean, how many, times, how many times do you have to keep paying for it? I know people say this, but pastor, what about someone that struggles in habitual sin? You know, these people say, you're saved by grace, but you have to work to keep it, otherwise you forfeit it. You have to hang in there to the end. What about people that have habitual sin? Is someone with habitual sin, can they be saved? Could they have an eternity forever in heaven? Well, hold on, just time, a sec time out a second. Can we just think about this for a second? I just want to be honest. I want to be honest. How many times do you have to do a sin before it becomes considered habitual? Does anyone have a number? I mean, if you do a sin twice in a row, it's habitual, or you have to do it 20 times in a row? Do you have to do it 100 times in a row? I mean, how many times do you have to do a particular sin? Well, the Bible doesn't say, the Bible doesn't say how many times you can do a sin before it becomes a habit. Uh, what I do know is that we choose our actions every day. I do know that we're born with a sin nature, and, and thousands of times every day, my old nature versus my new nature has to make a decision about what I'm going to do. Think for a second. Ready? Let's go through the Bible real fast. Moses. Do you remember Moses in the Old Testament? Moses had uncontrolled anger. Do you think it was habitual? Personally, I do. Why? Because it's recorded in the Bible. I think if Moses had just said it once and oops, I don't think it would have been recorded. I think Moses had an anger issue, and I think it was habitual. Is Moses going to be in heaven? Yeah, absolutely. According to this book, he is. How about David? Well, David had adultery and had murder. Do you think it was habitual? I don't think, personally, I don't think David just his first day 
walked up on the roof of his house and happened to see a lady taking a bath naked. I, I don't think, I just don't think that was a first-time oops occurrence, that he actually had the gall and the guts to invite her to his house to spend the night. Right? Yeah, I don't think that just happened one time. I think there was a problem there. How about Abraham? Abraham was known as a liar. How about Peter? One of Jesus' best friends spent three and a half years learning under him. He denied Jesus. He was the biggest legalist there ever lived. But God never questioned their salvation. How about the guy named Solomon? The Bible says he's the wisest person that ever lived. He wrote the book of Proverbs and another book in the Bible. And yet we never see at the end of Solomon's life, we see this. He was involved in idolatry and he was involved in worship of, of other gods. We never see Solomon changing his tune and repenting from those he was an idolater. He, he had pagan gods. We never see that changed in the end, of the end of the story of Solomon. Will Solomon be in heaven? I believe so, based upon this book. Yeah. Why? Because he was saved by grace the same way that any of us are today. He wasn't saved by his works. What about the church in Corinth? All the way over here in the New Testament, there's a church that had such bad sin. I'll tell you what happened in the, the church, there was a guy in the church who was actually sleeping either with his, uh, with, his, uh, with his stepmother or with his mother, and the church said it was okay and didn't have a problem with it. Paul wrote them a letter and said, you got to get this guy out of the church. He's causing a problem. You need to get him out of the church, kick him out of the church until he changes his heart. What's interesting is Paul never questions the guy's salvation, and he never questions the church's salvation. They're living in gross, immoral sin. It wasn't their works. It was their faith that had saved them. There's no keeping or persevering of any of the saints ever in the Bible. And don't forget this too, church. The Bible says that when we're saved, the Holy Spirit is what seals us. We don't seal ourselves. When you become a Christian, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit seals us to the day of redemption. The famous evangelist Curtis Hudson used to say this. He would talk about canning peaches. And he grew up in the South, and they would can peaches. Well, when the peaches go into a can, and you seal the can of peaches, who does the preserving? Do the peaches do the preserving? Hang on, stay in the jar, don't get out of the jar, let's stay preserved until someone wants to turn us into a pie, but we got to work. No, what do the peaches do? They just sit there and float in the juice, I'm like, well, we're a peach, we're just hanging out, we're just, you know, there's nothing to do. Who did the preserving? The one that sealed them. Church, when we become a Christian, who does the work? Us? I got to stay here. No. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the one that sealed us until what? Day of redemption. The Holy Spirit does the work so we don't have to do the work because it's His job to make sure that we are sealed uh, uh, by the Holy Spirit. Take a look at this quote. This is a great quote by Curtis Hudson. Explains it. Salvation is a free gift. It's bestowed upon us at the moment we understand we are sinners. That Jesus Christ paid our sin debt when He died on the cross. We then simply trust Him as our Savior. Salvation is received instantly. It is not something we have to continue working on. That's the gospel, church. That's just the gospel of Jesus Christ according to the Bible in, in, in one or two really quick sentences. So we have our first group here that says you have to work for it to get an eternity. Forever is accessible by my works. Well, that was disproved. We have the second group of people that says, no, 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 you're saved by God's grace, but you have to work to maintain it. That's been disproved over and over again. Can I pause on this real quick? And then we've got to hit the last one and we've got to get out of here. You know why this is so attractive, this one in the middle? You know why it's so attractive? I'll tell you why it's so attractive. 
We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone. Yep, Jesus died on the cross, paid my sin debt. But I have to work to maintain it or persevere to the end. You know why that's so attractive to so many Baptists? You don't know why? Because it involves this. There's a nice pat on the back. Jesus, save me forever. Amen. But I have to wear a suit and tie and show up for church, and I give offering, and I got baptized. <laughs> hey, you ever need help, you just let me know. All right, I'm here for you. All right? <laughs> There's something that I did. There is pride involved in lordship salvation. Huge amount of pride. To think that I could do something to help Jesus who died on the cross. Really? So what? Well, I put my tithe in. Really? You really think God's impressed? So that's been disproved. The last one here, and let's look at this. There are those who believe a person is saved through faith and can never lose their salvation. Salvation is attained by grace, and the Christian life is lived by grace, regardless of how they live their life. Salvation is permanent because Christ paid the debt for all sin. Now think about this, church. Christ paid the debt for all sin, which means what? Jesus paid the price for our sins, the past, present, and the future. Can I ask you a quick question? Think, think, think. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ died on the cross. He paid for all sins, past, present, and future. How many of our sins were in the future when Jesus died on the cross? All of them. The big ones and the small ones, but all of them. See, sometimes we forget about that. When he died on the cross, he paid for all of his sins, and guess what? You weren't born yet. All of your sins were in the future. All of them were paid for. Acts 13, 38. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of well, that means to send away, to release the sins from the sinner. And by him, all that believe are justified. It doesn't say all of them that work. It says all of them that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law. You could never work to do it, but you're justified because of what Christ did on the cross. When he died on the cross and paid for all of our sins, as that verse says, all forgiveness, all means all. I have looked, I have studied it. In the Greek, the word literally all means all. It doesn't translate differently. It doesn't read differently. All just means 100%. So the payment required for sin for all time was paid in full because the payment was death. When Jesus died, he paid 100%. So church, think about this. We had, we had group number one, works. Group number two, well, it's grace, plus you've got to keep it up and do some works group number three, which is where this church stands, and says this, it's all by faith, okay? It's all by, by, by grace, is what Jesus Christ did on the cross. So church, if Jesus paid for all my sins, how many sins do I have to pay for? None. These people in the middle, it's really kind of like Jesus paid for most of my sins, but i got to take care of the rest of them. I mean, that's really what they're saying. And these people are saying, Jesus didn't pay for any of my sins. So this is none of my sins he paid for. I guess this is some of my sins he paid for. But, but we believe, as Scripture teaches, he paid for all of them. He paid for all. I don't have to pay for any. So church, does that mean I can live any way I want to and still have an eternity in heaven? It actually does. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's the truth. That means that, that if I'm saved by grace and, 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 and I believe Jesus paid for all my sins, my works have nothing to do with it, that technically means that I can live however I want and I will never lose eternity because all my sins in the ones in the future too were paid for. Does that mean a Christian can be as bad as an unsaved person? 
absolutely. I'll even add this to it. I believe Christians can be worse than unsaved people. Why? Because a Christian has a new nature. And there's a battle taking place between the new and the old nature, and they're fighting every day. An unsaved person doesn't have a new nature. There's no battle, right? But a, a saved person has that. Should, should a Christian live any way they want? Of course not. Why? Because the Bible says that someone who's a Christian is now a child of mine, the Bible says, a child of God's. And the Bible says that God will discipline them as a father disciplines a child. Can a Christian live how they want to and still have eternity? Absolutely. Should a Christian live however they want? No. Why? Because God speaks softly and carries a big stick. <laughs> That's why. And a father who loves their child disciplines their child. Okay? Hey, don't act like that. Don't do that. You shouldn't be doing this. Stop doing that. And God works through us through his, his Holy Spirit and disciplines us, chastens us, convicts us of our sin. Okay? Works in our life. But that's different from losing your salvation. That's just God working in your life. If it is eternal redemption, then once you have been redeemed, it must certainly last forever. Once you are saved, it is for an eternity. And it's nothing you could ever pay for. It's nothing you can change. But once you're saved, you will always be saved. Look at this verse and let's get out of here. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. These things, John's saying, I wrote you all these things. Have I written unto you that, does it say go to church? What's it say right here? It says believe. I wrote these things to those of you that believe on the name of the Son of God. What have I written unto you? I wrote these things. Why? That you may, church, what's this word right here? You may know, know what? That you have eternal life. I wrote these things to those of you that believe on Jesus that you can know you have eternal life. That's why I wrote these things. Because you can know. How can I stand over here confidently in this group and say, I know I have salvation? Because I know I didn't pay for it. I, I know that. I know that 100% of my debt was paid by Jesus, period. That's it. I can, I can rest in that. I have peace. I go to bed at nighttime, totally confident. I don't have to worry about it because I'm not doing a cotton-picking thing for it. I pay a, a single dime for it. I can't lift my pinky finger to help it. There's nothing I can do for it. Paid in full. If he paid the debt, there's no mortgage for me to pay. I should. There's some things I should do, some things I should start, things I should stop. Christ, God's working in me as a child. A father works with a son, tries to make me a better Christian, sure. But I don't go to bed at nighttime like this group in the middle and says, man, I hope. I knew a guy who grew up in church, but I believe he's saved. But he went to bed every night worried about his future. I wonder if I'll be in heaven. Did I just do enough? What about that time I missed church? How, how much is God going to weigh in his God? Oh. And the, the agony, the depression, the anxiety, because he wasn't trusting in what Jesus did. He was trusting in what he did to help God along, okay? So, those people believe it's all by works. These people believe it's by grace, but you better keep it up. You better hang on. These people believe it's by grace alone, faith alone, through Christ alone, period, done, over. Now, with that foundation set, as we get, keep going in our study, next time we're together on this, next time we talk about forever and eternity, you'll understand these three kind of areas, and then we can really start to dig into what the Bible really says about eternity, how long it is, how we're going to be there, what we're going to do, that whole nine yards, and we'll really have that established because now we understand who really does have an eternity waiting for them. Okay? Does that sound good? Does that make sense? 
All right, very good. Now, obviously, I don't have to cover the gospel today because I just spent the last 30 minutes covering the gospel. But if any of you have ever trusted in something else besides fully what Jesus did, you're trusting in what you have done. And God says, when you trust in what you've done, you're not going to heaven because you're relying on you. It's not until you totally trust in what Jesus Christ did alone, that one-time decision you made in life, that's when God says you are forever part of my family. Stop trusting in a little bit what you've done and trust fully in what Christ has done. That's the good news of the gospel. All right? Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we're thankful for the study we've had today. And Lord, it's very important that we understand this because this is setting the tone for the rest of our discussion. Is eternity attainable? Does the Bible really talk about it? Can we ever lose it? We're going to cover some of these important passages and, and some of the passages people get tripped up on. Would you guide us in your study? Thank you for what you've done. Lord, maybe someone today has been trusting in what they do. Well, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to get baptized. Lord, would you work in their heart, help them to understand, help them to realize that it's not what they've done. It's what Christ did. It's not what we do. It's what was done on the cross. Trusting fully, 100%, in what Jesus did to pay our sin debt. Thank you for all you've done. In your name we pray. Amen. We are very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262-404-5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening.